Hello, Logic friends. Glenn Teal here, the host of episode 41 with Steve Swike. Steve is a flame artist based in Detroit, Michigan. We got to talk about what it's like to be a flame artist in that market. He gets to do a lot of automotive work and also sometimes steps out of the finishing role to edit as well. This episode is a long way coming. Steve and I recorded this back in March and things got really busy for me, so I wasn't able to post it sooner. So Steve, thank you for your patience. Before we start this episode, here's a quick word from our sponsors. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. I highly encourage if you need any help with roto, paint, 3D match move, or cleanup, give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com. And last but not least, Logic Academy Pro. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. There are so many cool courses that range from CG car replacement, Nuke for Flame Artists, Mocha, color management, VFX supervision, and also meetups for mentoring your career. So check out pro.logic.tv if you are interested. Hey, Steve. Hey, Glenn. How are you? Good. How are you doing? Awesome, man. Yeah, nice. Thanks for uh, wanting to come on the show. This is awesome. Yeah, I was uh, not expecting that to come out of it, but I'm like... (laughs) Hey, who wouldn't want to listen to no, me for an hour? Right, right. No, no, it's going to be awesome. All right, well, let's kick this off. If you use reels in flame, do you prefer horizontal or vertical? Horizontal. Okay. Yep, me too. Well, prior to flame, I was a smoke guy, and it was just a freeform desktop. Yeah, and so I, I, I've never understood that. But I, <laughs> After using reels for a while, and then I went back to someone else that had a desktop set up. I was like, this is a mess. Come on, man. Yeah, I know. But I've met some old like smoke artists and they still in flame will use the free form. Like they haven't adapted to the the reels and there's just some, I don't know, like mentally they're nope. I have my organizational ways and free form and I know how to do it. But yeah, to me, it's a mess. Like I, (laughs) once I figured it out and it started making sense, like there was no going back. Yeah. Okay. Do you smoke hotkeys or are you flame? Smoke hotkeys. Okay. Yeah. I figured. I figured. (laughs) All right. Let's see. Tablets. Do you prefer it in front of the keyboard or off to the side? When I started, it was in front, but probably the past six to eight months, they're they're moving farther and farther apart. So (laughs) the, the, the keyboard's off to the left side now. Nice. Okay. I mean, I've I've talked to some people and they say it actually helps with their posture. I don't know if you've experienced that. My well, as you can see now, my posture is terrible. But <laughs> me too. Me too. Um, but I, I found that it just helps with like the mess of cables and cords. Like if I keep okay. everything spread out, it's just less liable to get stuck on some For USB sure. connector. So yeah. Okay. Okay. Cool. <laughs> nice. And then let's see. Last up, when it comes to compositing and batch, are you like single view? Do you like the dual view? Do you like triple? I've heard I've heard someone recently who likes a quad Whoa. view of everything. I would say de- it depends on what I'm trying to accomplish. Like if I'm just like 
going through the batch tree, it's a single. Yeah. And then some nodes, like if I'm doing actual keying in a G-mask tracer, I like to have a dual view so I can see what's going on and where. Oh, nice. So okay. I would say it depends on on what I'm doing. Awesome. Yeah, I agree. I tend to stick to single. However, certain tasks, yeah, you need that dual just yeah. to be more efficient. So, so how, how did you get started into post-production? What's your backstory? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know too many people that were like, I want to be a finishing guy or a compositor. Like in high school, when I was wrapping that up, I was a drummer in a hardcore band. And I was oh, like, I'm, wow, okay. I'm going to be playing the drums forever. And I did that for a while. And my best buddy, and also like our roadie slash, I guess, shit worker, for lack of a better term, he really was like, man, we have to do something with our lives. And I'm like, yeah, I agree. And I've heard Amanda talk about it. I went to the same school she did. There's a place in town here called Specs Howard. Okay. And when we went, it was going to be focused more on the audio side, just because of being involved in music. We got there. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even know that this world existed like this. And I was like, you know, making stuff visually seemed to be a lot more fun. And even then I was geared more towards pr the production side of it. Oh, okay. Like running around with the camera, like all my internships and stuff after that just involved me lugging a big giant camera around. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And yeah. was this the beta days or was it even well uh, for all the camera or was it film? No, it was like three quarter. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, all, it was all like public access stuff. Just trying to yeah. figure out because I will say the one thing that the school at the time, at least for me did not have like a fantastic placement department. They were like, you're either going to go work in a radio station in rural Ohio for like five bucks an hour. Or okay. you're going to be like making carts in the back room of a TV station for five bucks an hour. Right. And this would have been like mid nineties. And so I had no idea of like what real post-production was all about. So yeah. they had set me up on a job interview at Ford world headquarters, which is in Dearborn, not far from okay. my house. And I'm sitting in this giant room and struck up a conversation with a couple other guys that were interns at a place called GTN, which has gone through a number of changes, but it's now the Detroit Satellite of Flavor. Oh, wow. Okay, cool. It's kind of a roundabout story for me. So I'm talking with these guys and they're like, oh man, we work in the duplication department part-time. You should come. They always need people. And I'm like, I don't even know what this is, but yes, I'll call. <laughs> and <Cool>. so <laughs> I, I set up an interview with the head of the department and show up at this big giant building it is like the Death Star of post-production. It literally, it's a giant really? gray building in an industrial park. Yeah. I walk in and I'm like, I've never seen anything like this. And they did not talk about this at Specs Howard, but there's like <laughs> cool people everywhere doing cool stuff. So right away, I'm like out of my element because I'm trying to get into the business and I've been working in a wood shop up until this point. Right, right. <laughs> so we're walking around the building and he's like, okay, this is this. And here's the flame room. And there was like a big fish tank in there. And I'm like, holy shit, this is oh amazing. Gosh. So then they walk me into like the big tape room and it's just lined with like every flavor of VTR you could think of banks of patch bays and they're like one inch machines and just lights and sounds everywhere. And my head just exploded 
and my heart sank. I was like, man, thanks for your time, but I don't know what any of this stuff is. And I will probably yeah. never figure it out. <laughs> I didn't say that out loud. <laughs> yeah, but <that's>, of course. <laughs> but that's what I was thinking. And so then, you know, after we get through the interview, he's like, oh, cool. You know, you want to be an intern starting Monday? I'm like, yep. And that was it. Nice. Jumped into Amazing. it. Amazing. Yeah. That's it was crazy. Awesome. So did you start in the tape room? Yeah. Yeah. Worked your way up through that. Yep. I, so I would go as an intern after my day job and work until like nine, 10 o'clock at night, getting all the dubs out for the FedEx rush to go off to stations everywhere. Yeah. It's so crazy talking about this now. Cause it's like, know, a whole, it's all digital. Yeah. yeah. It's all just FTP and whatever. Yeah. Yep. Dropbox. <laughs> and, and the way it worked there, and I'm sure it was like that in a lot of other big shops was, you know, you started either in shipping or in duplication. And then when a slot opened up, everybody took off and went where they wanted to go. Mm-hmm. And as fate would have it, I don't know, like two months after I started my internship, a position on the night shift opened up. So I was able to, to jump in full time. And I worked from like four in the afternoon till whenever. Wow. Okay. And was this on a flame or a smoke or something else? Oh, no. This was just working in duplication. Oh, duplication. Oh, gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. And then from there, you know, it was a great place to learn the whole industry because you got exposed to all the facets of it. I didn't really spend a lot of time around the flame because it was like a lot of people wanted to do it. And at that time, I was more interested in being an editor. And so I worked my way out of duplication and I was a film transfer assistant for about a year and a half and then finally made my way into the editorial department as an assistant. That's awesome. I had a similar path. I I went more the creative editing route before I got into finishing. So, and even then I was uh, a creative editor. Like that was what I did for probably about three years before I mm-hmm. transferred over to finishing, because I found myself doing more and more like finishing type tasks in the offline. Oh. And then I heard that we were going to be changing out all the linear rooms to smokes. And I'm like, Amazing. yeah, I want a part of that. So yeah. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Once again, very similar. I, you know, when I was assisting, I was having to do a lot of temp screen comps and whatnot for editors or split screens. And Mm -hmm. I started to realize I I enjoy this more than the actual editing part and sitting with clients and going up 30 versions on a 30 second spot. And yeah, I was like, you know what, maybe I should look into flame (laughs) and then kind of made the transition after that because Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, it seems like you and I had a lot more fun doing that type of work. (laughs) It, It really was. And when I switched over from the offline half still probably half of my business was like my offline clients and we just cut the whole thing in a smoke. And and my, my pitch for that was like, look, we're editing, but when we're done, we're done. There is no like finish. Yeah. Yeah. We don't have to like um, online it. Yeah. Cause it it was already yeah high res and you guys were, yeah, yeah. that's amazing. And then over time, you know, the, the company politics changed and how they wanted to brand stuff and they wanted to make it more, separate creative division. Okay. Um, so I was doing less and less of that type of work, but it was fine. Yeah. There was other stuff to like learn all the time. Still that. Oh my gosh, for sure. When I started in editing, the owner of that company, he was a musician and he, he said, yeah, some of the best editors are actually musicians. So you having that background probably helped you out a lot. 
because it's all timing, you know, it's all. (laughs) So that's cool. Do you miss editing at all? Like the creative side? In my current role now, I I do get to do some of that. So, so I worked at GTN, which is now flavor for long, 16 years. And then another shop asked me to come over. And so I went over there to just do flame stuff and like finishing. And uh, I did that for six years until they, they closed the doors. And then I went freelance for about four years, which was Mm -hmm. super scary because it wasn't my idea. And uh, I took about a month and a half off to figure out, man, what am I going to do? And I'm like, well, I'll just get a credit card and buy a bunch of stuff. And so, yeah, I bought, I bought, I reached out to the Cinesis in Chicago and they hooked me up with like, okay, here's, here's what you need. And even prior to that, Jeff Huser, man, recipes, Jeff, Yes, I reached out, I reached out to him through an email and like, Hey man, here's my situation. You know, what would you recommend? And then he steered me towards those guys. Amazing. He was super cool. And I know, I didn't know at the time how sick he was, but he's like, if you have questions with anything, man, don't hesitate to reach out. Okay. And so he, he was super helpful in, in making that jump. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, I, I used to watch a lot of his FX PhD classes. Yeah. Same here. And I was like, oh man, I I can't believe I'm actually talking with Jeff. Yeah. So right. Right. (laughs) That's awesome. Now was this timeline wise, was this back when flame or smoke was still Linux only, or was this when it became, you know, Linux or uh, smoke? on Yeah, no, it was smoke on Mac. And that was like 2018 was when I started freelancing. Oh, okay. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So they had already transitioned. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was so excited. I, uh, God, this is 2013. I think that's when they first put smoke on Mac, the cheaper version. They used Mm -hmm. to have it for like 15,000, you know, prior to that. But when it, when they dropped it to like 3,500, I was like, okay, this is, I got to jump over and start playing with this because Mm -hmm. (laughs) yeah, it was finally approachable for me, you know? Yeah. Cause Um, up until that point, everything had been Linux and every engineer where I'd work was like, just don't touch anything. You're going to break it. We'll fix it for you. (laughs) And so Linux was like this terrifying thing. And there's no way I could buy a Linux machine and maintain it myself. So I I bought an iMac pro and it served me well. It's, It's still cranking. You know, it's funny. I 2018, I bought a, it wasn't the iMac pro. It was the, just the regular 27 inch, but then I upped the Ram to mm-hmm. 64, you know, maxed it out. I still use it today. So yeah, it's, it's good. I mean, yeah, you can't do anything like, at least on mine, like too heavy. It's mostly, you know, your basic lots cleanup, of, but lots of pre-comps and stuff. Exactly. You know, lots of pre-comps, it, As, to keep especially it in today's pipe. age where I'm getting plates at like 5k plus oh now and it's just, yeah, you got to do it. Same as source. And you know, yeah. I kind of miss the old days of like just working at 2k or something. <laughs> I know every so oh. often we'll get shots that are from an existing spot and they're just 1920 by 1080. Yeah. I'm like, this is like it greasy kid chews. stuff, you know, it's yeah, crazy. Choose through those shots. Yeah. You're like, ah, yeah. oh, this is amazing. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so are, then, you, are you are you still freelancing? No, I've been on staff at Flavor for almost two years again. I okay. Had, so I did a back, job yeah. for them on the tail end of my freelance time. 
this big one, like a month. And then they had an opening and they're like, hey, would you be interested in coming back to staff? Oh, like, cool. Yeah. You know? And so it yeah. was like, I came back and it was kind of familiar, but after being gone for 10 years, it was really different too. Oh gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm yeah. sure. Probably a whole new set of people. I mean, I'm sure there were a couple people still there, but yeah. Yeah. Yeah, a lot new of new people. faces. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know, being in the kind of Midwest, would you consider yourself Midwest or no? Oh, yeah. You're, you're yeah, more we're like, we're okay, Detroit. Okay. okay. So what, what is it like? I know this is pre COVID. What mm-hmm. was the freelance experience like in that region? Cause you know, it's not as big as LA or New York. So right. I'm just curious. You know, to be honest, the first year of being freelance was like super scary because my wife, I have two kids. And one of my, my oldest sons on the autism spectrum, on top of having a psychotic work schedule, it's a lot of stuff to handle at home too. So yeah. we had made it, like worked it to where I, I was going to be working and my wife could stay home and, and handle stuff on the home front, which is what we really needed. And so okay. I found out 2000, October of 2017, like, yeah, we're shutting the doors here. Oh, oh man. So I had like two months of like lead time to figure some stuff out. And so a super fortunate people I used to work with had their own place where they were doing production and editorial was all in one shop. And they were like, Hey, we got a room and you can come work out of it. And then we'll work out a deal, you know, financially and come on over. And it was really, it was a lifesaver because I, most of my work was through them for all 2018. That's awesome. And then, and I really just felt like I was treading water at first because I was so out of my element. And then 2019 got better. You know, I was like, okay, we survived. Now I can start branching out a little bit and, you know, meet more clients. And then 20, end of 2019, I had, I used to work with that were like in New York or Chicago. Mm -hmm. So I was starting to branch out a little bit there. And then all of 2020, it was probably a 60-40 split in terms of like 60% local market stuff. Okay. And then 40% out of town. Okay. And then 2020, was that the transition? Did you set up a little office space at home or were you still going yeah. into, because you know, COVID hit. So <laughs> Yeah, no, we had, I moved all my stuff into the room I'm sitting in now and okay. didn't leave there for like, <laughs> like two years. Jeez. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> it's crazy. And it was really... Um, it was a blessing because my kids were doing school from home and so I could help keep a handle on that. And the work that I was doing was like, as long as it got done, there wasn't any like, Hey, we need to see this by five o'clock. So if I, if I needed to take a break for an hour to help somebody out, I could do that and then jump back in the seat and and get back to work. Oh my God. That that's like the best schedule. I think where you you have stuff to do, but you can manage your own time. And yeah, Yeah. nobody's like, Hey, 6 PM is approaching. We got that posting. Yeah. I mean, there was plenty, there was plenty of that, but right. Okay. Okay. it, 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 It worked out for us. That's great. Okay. Yeah. I mean, not great that we had a global pandemic, but I think some good things came out of it. You know, working from home, the industry, I felt like it opened up a little more. Yeah. Yeah. So there were some benefits. Yeah. I mean, and and I've been on staff now for a couple of years, but like I know Brooks Tomlinson. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And another friend of mine, freelancer, and then Renee. And Mm -hmm. she is already like super connected prior to moving here. And I can't remember when she did. But for Brooks and my friend Alan and then another guy, Kevin Jones, 
I know they were able to branch out just due to COVID and people looking for work and they didn't care where it was coming yep. from. So it was a Amazing. benefit for those guys. Yeah. It's like you could work for New York, LA, Chicago. I mean, yeah, wherever actually, I mean, London, if there's a shop in London that needs you and as long as the pay system works, you know, yeah, it's like, it doesn't yeah. really seem like there's so much of a market divide anymore. It's more of like I a time, time zone divide. Yeah. Oh, I know for sure. Well, now that you're back at Flavor, do you have to go into the office or is Flavor remote? No, it it was remote. And even for like the first year and a half, I was still working from home. But then I had a job at the end of July of the summer where clients wanted to come in and I was like, oh man, you know, I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't, I don't want to. But I'll tell you, it it totally like reset my mindset for for work by coming in. They only ended up coming in for one day. Okay. My section of the big giant building, there was not a lot of foot traffic. So I could just go in and sit in my room and do my work and not really have to worry about a bunch of people coming and going. Yeah. And I found that like getting up and taking a shower and driving to work, it just like reset my focus. Oh, good. Huge in a major way. And I know it's not, you know, for me, that's what was working. So, okay. And are you going in pretty consistently? Pretty much. There's times where like uh, I'll stay home, you know, if I'm just like, Ugh, yeah. you know, dragon or, or if the weather's really bad and it's been terrible here the past month, every Friday oh, gosh. we've had like an ice storm or a snowstorm. Oh, so, right. Okay. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it's like, I guess my three second commute to work is really going to pay off. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. We see, but once again, benefits, you know, you can go yeah. in, you can stay home, which in the past it was like, you just had to go in. There was no option. Yeah. And they, they've been really great about for people that want to work remotely to accommodate that too. So, I mean, there's yeah. some times where it's going to be unavoidable, but they've been yeah. great about keeping it a hybrid environment. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. I had a session for the first time in like two years last fall and it was a big project. Wasn't too excited to go in, you know, cause you know, you've been home for two years yeah. and you're used to that setup, but I will admit once we got, and it was a long project, this project had gone on for two months. It was, it was a big campaign. Once we all got into the same room, things went much faster mm-hmm. and it just, spe- I mean, it was the last two weeks of the project and I think they came in like five times, but yeah, it, it actually, I was like, oh, you know, this isn't as bad. You know? <laughs> so, yeah. And, and it was it was art directors that wanted to come in and like setting type and like having an immediate response instead of six hours of emails was like, I know this is super beneficial. And even doing session through a screen share Mm -hmm. is better than just postings. But at the same time, it's not the same, especially when everybody has their cameras turned off and yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not the same as being in person. (laughs) Yeah. But then there's sometimes where, if people are sitting right behind you and they don't have an answer, it doesn't matter if they're sitting behind you or True. they're in their house 20 miles away. So yeah, good point. Yeah, I know. What type of work do you generally do at Flavor? Finishing stuff where we'll like do the conform. And I work with another great flame artist, Anne Allen. I'm throw her name into here too. Oh, cool. So I was super excited about coming back and being able to work with her because she's great and she can show me stuff I don't know how to do. So it's awesome. <laughs> nice, nice. Okay. So we'll do like the conforms and then prep it for color. And then we'll go just probably like most people go through and, and then pick our shots for cleanup and, and get on that okay. and then get it out the door. So a lot of it is car car centric. I was so going like, to say, yeah. 
yeah, car beauty work, road cleanup, you know, okay. getting rid of, you know, signs that can't be there on a street. Mm-hmm. So lots of environmental cleanup. Ah, uh, okay. Yeah. Which car ads love, love to do. So <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes, yeah. that is true. Oh my gosh. So when you guys prep for color, do you guys have color in house or do you guys prep it for a different vendor and then you get it back? We do have in house color and then, or it really depends on what the clients want to do yeah. as to how it gets prepped out of editorial, you know, because okay. if it's going to color out of house, you know, they'll get all their stuff and then we'll get files through FTP or Aspera and pull them in and, yeah. and get to work. Okay. So you're mostly working on graded material when you're doing all your. Clean yeah. Up. Yeah. Every okay. once in a while we'll need to get a head start on something for tracking mm-hmm. and then we'll get like a raw plate and then, you know, re-render or something. But I'd say 99% of our stuff is, is graded. Nice. Okay. Which is, makes it easy, but man, I'm really trying to make it a point to wrap my head around this whole color space thing. Cause there's just so many options and like Finn has been a godsend, you know, yeah. he's super generous with, with his knowledge and everybody else for that matter. But I just don't have a need for it. But at some point I'm going to, so I just want to be prepared. Prepared. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's, you know, the ACES workflow and mm-hmm. or even just linear. Yeah. Yeah. It's, and it's he, start- that guy's a master. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's starting to make sense, but to like, I guess the best way to do it would just be to kind of get thrown into the fire and, and figure it out and then yes. hopefully be high five and afterwards. But, um, totally, totally. Yeah. yeah, but you know, if this is working, I say stick with it because it, it's a more of a pipeline thing. You know, some yeah. shops are all ASIS and mm-hmm. then some shops, you know, hey, you get the grades and we're rec 709 and hey, call it a day. So yeah, yeah, there's not like zero CG integration. Yes. For my, for my work. Okay. Gotcha. I know, you know, on the forum, it's been a big topic of junior artists and mm-hmm kind of coming up through the ranks and also during COVID it's a little different. You don't get to sit yeah. with a flame artist in the room. Do you have any recommendations for someone coming up who might want to apply to flavor things they should learn to be like a good assist? Really? And I was super fortunate like coming up and working with like super great editors and colorists and, and flame people where for me learning how to like read a room is yeah. number one. Okay. Just making yourself available, figure out what's going on, like wh- who's, whose opinion is really the one that's going to count. Try, try and anticipate what's going to be needed in an hour or two hours or at the end of the day. Like okay. learning how to type supers in Photoshop and After Effects, that's like the easy part, you know? Yeah, true. <laughs> um, personality is huge and have a willingness to want to learn because nobody's going to just hand you a career. They're not going to be like, yes. oh, here, I'm going to give you all this stuff and it's going to be all set for you. Yep. If you have a willingness to learn, man, I'll, I'll give you everything I got. Yeah. Cause that's okay. what people, that's what people did for me. So I love, I'm like, if I can pay it forward and, and help move someone else on, that makes me feel good. Yeah. No, 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 for sure. Yeah. They, they need to have the drive. Yeah. That's a big, cause thing. that, that gives you drive to then teach them. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then I'm like, oh man. Yeah. So I, I don't know as much as I thought because I'm getting hammered <laughs> with new questions. Like, I know. Yeah. I find, yeah. When you get to teach someone a certain thing, you actually really have to think about the process. So oh, man. yeah, sometimes I've 
been showing someone a task, I go, wait, why am I doing it this way? Oh, maybe I should actually do it this way because, you know, because I don't know, yeah. you sometimes get into a lane and you go oh, down totally. this lane, but like you really have to think about why do I do it this way when you're teaching someone? <laughs> well, that that's what was so great about coming back to Flavor and, and working with Anne was just having another person right next door yeah. to be like, oh man, here's what I'm doing. Why are you doing it this way? I don't know. That's how I yeah. <laughs> made it work for me. Yeah. Yeah, so, totally. Okay. Hopefully that answered the coming up question. No, um, for sure. No, that's great. That's great. And I, I'm curious, do you have any milestones in your career that you remember like, oh, I, I learned this one thing and then I was able to tackle these jobs or this certain thing? Yeah, there there is one big one. This is going to sound so basic, but for me, it was a game changer. Stabilize your plate, whether it's planer, whatever, do your cleanup and then reverse it and stick it back in. So like, yes. Oh my God, I've been wasting so much time doing it this other way forever. I know. Yeah, that was a big one. Steve, I'm I'm right there with you. Prior to that workflow, I would do the typical thing of paint a still frame, track it in, yeah. do the whole thing. You might have to warp it a little bit, whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. once I learned the stabilized technique, I was like, whoa, mind-blowing. Like I, <laughs> I did so many dirty tricks using extended bicubics oh, with yeah. that. Me too. It's like my work should have been rated NC-17 because like <laughs> it's just filthy. But for sure, no, no one's seeing it and it's like making it through approval. So cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. First task generally for me is pull out a GMAS tracer, try and play in our track. If that doesn't work, then you start a plan B and then a plan C. Is that kind of how you approach things too? Or Yeah. My go-to is usually Mocha for, oh, Mocha. for tracking yeah. Yeah, that's great. and Roto. Okay. And then I'll keep one of those nodes just hooked up to a MUX and do like my tracks and, and kick the stuff out from there and, nice. and send okay. it to wherever it needs to go. Or, or okay. sometimes a G-Mask Tracer if I'm like, okay, this is going to be a relatively painless track. Knock like on Flynn can do it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I I, I got to start utilizing Mocha a little more because I always forget. I, I, I don't use it enough, so I always forget how to bring the track in properly. <laughs> like once you planar track it into action. So I, I normally stick to the G-Mask Tracers a lot. But you yeah, know I got to get, get a hold of me now. So Okay. Can, yeah, you, exactly. You <laughs> Are there any up and coming things in Flame that you're looking forward to? Like, I know they a couple of years ago integrated the new camera tracker. I don't know if you've been playing with that or I, I have. That's one thing that I really want to figure out. I've, I've used it okay. a couple of times, but I look back on it. I'm like, oh my gosh, I just totally guessed my way through this, and we made it. <laughs> but right. I don't use it enough to like have it committed to memory. So. I'll like if I have spare time or even in the evenings, I'll like, okay, I've got a shot that I can mess around with just to get a handle on it. Okay. So I would say, yeah, figuring out and really learn how to read a scene that's been camera tracked. Yes. Would be a good one for me. That's, that's my next goal. Yeah. I, I got to get better with that as well. It was actually into Martinez, his logic live. That was a few years ago mm-hmm. where he was like, you know, to be a really good flame artist, you should like start learning 3d tracking and that just kind of opened my mind like oh yeah that is a good idea and then (laughs) was it kirk balden he did a thing on camera tracking that i've got saved on my on my youtube saves i go back to that one okay cool yeah i gotta rewatch that one yeah it's good once you kind of think about it more into a like a 3d environment it Mm -hmm. really opens up flame a lot someone was asking me about someone not even in the business. I posted a picture one time of like a point cloud 
that I generated from the slam tracker. And I'm like, I just put it on my like Facebook or LinkedIn. And someone's like, man, what is that? And then I was explaining to them, it's like, okay, yeah. it's, it's a scene with a camera and lights and you can do all this stuff to it. And they're like, well, how do you do that? I'm like, at, up until this point, I'm still guessing, but <laughs> right, we, just, right. we just make it work. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's awesome. Kind of similar. I've used Nuke just a little bit. They have a mm-hmm. point cloud. And yeah, it's it's riffing off of that, I think. Yeah. And my coworker is pretty proficient with camera tracking and Nuke. So there's been several times where I'm like, oh, nice. can you track this for me and just send me the stuff? So yes. That, that yes. Helps. That's happened to me too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Nuke's tools are pretty good in certain areas so yeah that's you know i know we're we're talking flame here but you know one thing no that we I can learned, talk nuke we well, can talk no, it yeah <laughs> as a freelancer though i discovered pretty quickly that if you want to survive at least in detroit you know it's not going to hurt to know as many different things as possible so that's when okay. i had to get get on like the premiere train and after oh, effects really? okay never dabbled really in nuke and i was just talking with our engineer where i was so spoiled by action Yeah, that like when you look at something in Nuke or Fusion, it's like, you know, five nodes to do one thing. And he's like, yeah, that's like molecular level compositing. I'm like, I I prefer the atomic level where. Okay, nice, nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, the work is kind of there for you. For sure. Actually, that kind of sparked a question. Do you think you have to be more of a generalist? in Detroit area compared to maybe mm. say someone in LA or I think it depends on on where you're working and if you are a freelancer it's kind of hard to be like a blanket answer for me like when I came back to flavor they're like okay you're going to be finishing yes you're going to be doing some flame work but there's also going to be like some retail tagging you're doing or mm-hmm. been editing spots in premiere for like the past kind of month back and forth so okay. for me I found that the more I know the, the better my career is going to be. Nice. Yeah, that's so true. And I mean, yeah. if I can get it done in one platform, cool. But sometimes you got to step out. Yep. And I, I think even just learning software, not that you have to use Nuke every day, but knowing a little bit of it or even Fusion, yeah. it'll trigger something in your brain to approach Flame in a slightly different way. Yes, absolutely. Because I've watched countless tutorials on either Nuke or Fusion for a technique that, okay, how does this translate into flame speak? For sure. I think it's good to have a a working knowledge and at least be able to speak to it. Yeah, definitely. Going back to Mocha, do you ever use the, It's they almost have like their own built-in 3D tracker where you could track certain planes, then you could kind of bring it in. Have you done that? Because I I was always interested by that, but I've never explored it. I have not either. I've watched people do it and in tutorial land where everything works, it seems yeah, pretty, right, right. pretty straightforward, but <laughs> so true. like a real world application, no. No, okay, okay. <laughs> I, I did have a radical amount of success with the remove tool, though, on a job oh, that really? oh, I cool. did. Yeah, and Josh Lawrence was a big help, help helping me fill in the cracks on, on where I was missing a few things, but that's going to be part of my toolkit now. Oh, wow. A lot. That'd be cool. Yeah, maybe I'll yeah. hit you up about that because I've been thinking about that. We've been talking about this shot in particular. I need to reach out to the agency and see if they're cool with me showing it. But we could do like a postmortem or like a breakdown of, of how oh, I did be- the shot and the techniques and thought process behind Amazing. it. Amazing. That would so, be great. Yeah, I just have to find out from them if it'd be cool 
And then okay. once we get the green light, we'll figure out time to do it. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Would that be Logic Academy Pro or would I think, that? Just... I think that's probably what it would be on. Okay. Yeah. How have you, if you don't mind talking about it, how have you been liking the Logic Academy Pro? I dig it. I stumbled across it when it was like the hive when I was a yes, freelancer. Yeah, you, okay. And that was the first iteration of it. Yeah. yeah. Because I'd been talking as a freelancer and even as a flame guy when I was on staff at my last job. The other compositors there were new guys. So I always felt like theory, they could share a lot of stuff, but it was super difficult for me to like reach out and get help with what I needed to learn. And there's, as we know, there's a lot to it. And I was talking with those guys, like, man, I I would kill to be able to hang out with someone and, and pick their brain and figure out why they're doing what they're doing. Right. And so when that opportunity came up, I was like, yeah, man. Okay, cool. Has it changed a lot going from the Hive Mind into Logic Academy Pro, or is it pretty much Um, the same format? Because I was never part of the the Hive. It seems like it's kind of of the same ideas behind it, but with more offerings. You know, it's like they had spent some time like fine tuning it, and like, okay, well, we're going to do this now, and here's the Mocha Mondays or you know, Brene's cleanup thing, or you know the the thing with Finn with color science, you know, so it's yep. a bit more structured as far as like a curriculum. Nice. Okay. I know that's I'm, good to I'm hear. leaving some other stuff off, but I don't know if anybody's yeah. on the fence about try. I would say at least try it and see if it yeah. works for you. Give it a month. Yeah. For sure. I mean, some people might not need it and then other, other people do. And yeah, this yeah. the, the camaraderie of it's one thing that's I really cool. enjoy about too. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm looking forward to your class on if we get the green light from the agency. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That'd I'll be cool. That'd be cool. Get, get squared away with Josh and we'll, we'll throw it out nice. there. Nice. All right. Well, Steve, thank you so much. It was great catching up with you and uh, hearing your backstory. It was my pleasure. Awesome. All right. Well, I'll, I'll see you on the, the Logic Pro forum. Yeah. Or Discord okay. or anywhere else. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. Thanks, All right talk soon. Bye. All right. Thank you, Steve. This episode of the Logic Podcast is brought to you by AJA, together with Flame since 2006. We would like to welcome to the Logic family our friends at Hotspring. Hotspring is the future of VFX outsourcing. Hotspring connects you to great artists to get your projects done, making it easier than ever to access the best talent around the world. I highly encourage if you need any help with roto, paint, 3D match mover cleanup. Give the folks at Hotspring a shout. You will not be disappointed. www.thehotspring.com. And last but not least, Logic Academy Pro. If you haven't checked it out yet, I highly recommend it. There are so many cool courses that range from CG car replacement, cleanup, nuke for flame artists, mocha, color management, VFX supervision, and also meetups for mentoring your career. So check out Pro dot logic dot tv thank you for listening <laughs>